Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Today's message is entitled, The Sacrifice of Jesus is God's Answer to Stop All Plagues. Whatever plague it may be, coronavirus, cancer, tuberculosis, or whatever the enemy may be bringing in your life, the sacrifice of Jesus is the answer. And we will look into the Word of God. And I believe this will truly answer a lot of questions and also establish you in an unshakable faith. Let me begin by just giving you some practical instructions. Number one, whatever you may be hearing today, the WHO put out these figures that 300,000 people are affected, over 12,000 people are dying. Whatever we may be hearing, as people of God, we must not fear. We are not people of the world. We are the people of God. Hallelujah. We have a covenant of protection over our lives. When there was darkness in Egypt during the time of Moses, there was light in Goshen. Hallelujah. We are the people of God. There is light over our lives. And therefore, we must not give in to fear in whatever form it may come, through media, through rumors. You must understand that fear will cause you to act out of character. It can even cause people to slip into anxiety and depression. And that will cause your immune system to be compromised. But when you are in faith, when your heart is filled with peace and love, your immune system is stronger. So stay in peace because Jesus is with you. Hallelujah. I also encourage you to follow all the advice of the experts in washing your hands, in keeping yourself sanitized, observing social distance and so on. At the same time, this is not a time for Christians to uh, criticize the faith of others. Uh, this is not a time for Christians to make fun of people who may be panicking, whether in social media or um, just even through our words. We must be mindful of the suffering of hundreds and thousands of people around the world and people have lost loved ones. So this is a time for us to be in faith, but at the same time to extend a heart and a hand of love and compassion and bless those who are affected. There are so many poor people that will be affected during this time. I believe as Christians, you see, rather than being boastful about our faith, we should extend our hands in actual acts of service and blessing those underprivileged people of the community. All right? Okay. But above all, we must learn to trust in God. And that's what today's message is about, learning to trust in the Lord. And we can surely trust with all our heart because the finished work of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus establishes that in our heart. First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan. And bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? The Bible says that it is Satan who instigated David to number Israel. To take a census of Israel. 
It was not the will of God. But it came out of Satan's instigation and deception in his life. What was the reason? In a parallel account in 2 Samuel chapter 24, there was a hint that this came out of David's pride. Now Joab, David's general, opposes this move and says, why are you doing this to bring guilt on Israel? Now why is this move dangerous? Exodus chapter 30 verse 12, it says here, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. See, this is the law that God gave to Moses, that whenever you number the people, make sure that there is a ransom that is given. And the ransom was five shekels of silver. If there was no ransom, there would be a plague. Now, why was this a law given to Israel? You see, in Bible thinking, a man only has a right to count or to number what belongs to him. Israel belongs to God. Israel does not belong to David. David had no right to count Israel unless it was directed by God and it was God's will. And even then, only by paying the ransom price for everyone that is counted. And so here David acts out of the will of God. He acts in his own pride. And Joab goes to take a census of Israel. It takes 10 months. And at the end, they come to the conclusion that there are 1.5 million men that can fight in the nation. Like I said before, why did David do this? I believe the answer is, it was because of his pride. I believe he wanted to measure the size of his army in order to know his strength. I believe at the latter part of his reign, he wanted to take some glory in how Israel had grown as a nation. Because through David, Israel had become one of the strongest nations in the world at that time. And there was something in David that wanted to take the credit to himself. Morgan says this, The spirit of vainglory in numbers had taken possession of the people and the king. And there was a tendency to trust in numbers and forget God. Now verse 7 tells us, turn to verse 7. God was displeased with this thing and therefore he struck Israel. I want you to take note of that verse because I will explain that. Did God really strike Israel? How did it happen? God sends the prophet God to David, verse 9. The Lord speaks to God, David's seer, David's prophet saying, Go and tell David saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So God came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, choose for yourself either three years of famine, famine, three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else for three days the sword of the Lord the plague in the land with the angel of the Lord. Now some translations say the angel, not the angel of the Lord. Destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Consider what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Now David's answer is very important here because it reveals his wisdom and also his knowledge of God's heart. David says, I am in great distress. Verse 13. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are very great. 
The word mercy is there. Hased also means grace in the New Testament. His grace is very great. Do not let me fall into the hand of men. David's answer reveals that David understood the heart of God. See, three years of famine would weaken his entire nation and bring them to the mercy of their enemies. Three months to be pursued by his enemies, he would be at the mercy of men. David would rather trust his life in the hands of God than in the hands of men. And that is why he says, I would rather put my hand or my life in the hands of God. Hallelujah. David knew that God was more merciful and more gracious than men. What happens? Verse 14. So the Lord sent a plague, a pestilence, some form of sickness upon Israel and 70,000. I want you to note, 70,000 people die. Put it in context. Over three and a half months of coronavirus, 12,000 people have died around the world so far. There may be more. We don't know. But here in three days, 70,000 people have died. This is a plague of greater proportion and impact. And I believe there was tremendous fear and panic in the entire nation. Now the question is this. Did God really send this plague? Did God cause this plague? Did God initiate this plague? How do we interpret this difficult verse? in the light of the New Testament revelation of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the goodness of God that we see in Jesus. How do we interpret this? Because it is important to know this in this present context of the coronavirus. Because people are questioning, is this virus sent by God? Why has this virus come? Is this a curse that is released from the Lord? We need to answer this question because the doubts that will linger in your mind will cause you to be out of faith. Now in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good. So God sent Jesus to do good. And what good was it? to do good and to heal all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now this verse establishes the truth that the healing is from God and sickness is oppression of Satan. Sickness is oppression of the devil and healing is from God. And we see that throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, that everywhere he went, he went about healing people. He did not put curses on people. He did not put sickness on people. Not even once did he say that this sickness is the will of God. But everywhere he went, he went about healing people. Even the time when the man was born blind and the rabbis come and asked him, who sent this man or his parents that he is born blind? Jesus said, neither him nor his parents, but that the works of God should be glorified in him. And that is healing that took place in this man's life. So the Bible establishes that sickness is not from God. This coronavirus is not from God. But how do we understand this scripture and put everything into context? Because here in verse 14, the Bible says God sends a plague. Now we need to define this 
and explain this properly so that we are in faith about what is happening today. Let me read out to you some things that I found through my study. One of the major challenges in overcoming false ideas about God is the language that the Word of God itself uses to describe God's actions. I want you to listen very carefully. The impression that the King James Version has left on our minds has been one of the greatest obstacles in proclaiming the truth about God's character that is a God of love and mercy. In the King James Version of the Bible in the Old Testament, it is said that God inflicts sickness, He brings natural disasters, He influences and motivates evil nations to cruelly punish and kill His people. It is said that God creates evil, Isaiah 45 verse 7. The King James Version says, God speaking, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, how do we understand this? Because the King James Version says, God sends evil spirits. Like for example, when King Saul was oppressed of the evil spirit. So how do we understand? Because this brings confusion in the hearts and minds of the people. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26 says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do what is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments, keep all His statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. How do we understand this? Because here it is said, God puts sicknesses on the Egyptians. So, in the New Testament, we see the revelation of God in Christ is that God doesn't put sicknesses on people. God does not bring storms. Jesus cursed the storm. He did not bless the storm. Jesus cast out evil spirits from people. He did not pull evil spirits on people. But yet we have these scriptures that are contradictory to what we see in the revelation of Christ. So this is what the explanation is. There has been a discovery of many scholars and Bible commentaries who have affirmed to this truth that in the ancient Middle East, where the Bible was written, there was an idiom in the grammar of the Hebrew that was adopted by the Hebrew writers that, very important, listen to me, that which God is said to do, which God is said to do is what he only has permitted or allowed. In other words, in the way the Hebrew is constructed, what God has permitted, what is not his will, but he has permitted honoring the free will and the choice he has given to men to make their own decisions. What God has allowed is written as if God did it. This is how we come to misunderstand the scriptures. The verbs used in the New King, in the King James is in the causative, the causative verb, which means that it sounds as though God caused the sickness, God caused the earthquake, God caused the disease. However, it should read a different way in the permissive sense, in the sense that God allowed it, God permitted it. It was not His perfect will, but He allowed it to happen. For example, Deuteronomy 28 verse 22. In the King James Version, it says, 
the Lord shall smite thee. That's what it says. Now we look at that, we get afraid. Fear fills the heart. Is it God that is smiting the earth with coronavirus? When sickness comes into your homes, we begin to fear, did God curse me? When cancer comes, did God judge me? I was praying for a lady once in the hospital many, many years ago. And when I went to pray for her, she began to tell me, because of all the sins I have done, God has put this on me. Well, that was a lie of the devil, but she believed that. You see, and what you believe is important because you give it power in your life through your belief. Through your belief. Hallelujah. It should read Deuteronomy 28, 22. It should read this way. The Lord shall allow you to be smitten. He will permit it. In the New King James Version, <coughs> Exodus 15, 26 says, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. But it should read, I will not allow any of the diseases to come upon you that I allowed to come upon Egypt. You see, we must understand this. The curse because of Adam's sin was already on the earth. The earth is already cursed because of the sin of man. And that means the disease was already there. The disease and sickness was already there. And God allowed it to overtake the Egyptians because the Egyptians were not in a covenant with God unlike the Israelites. God did not cause the sickness. God did not cause the disease. He only allowed what was already there to take place. Amen. So when we understand the nature of God in the light of Jesus' revelation of God, we know that God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of evil. So let me tell you this. This coronavirus is not from God. It is not from God. God is not the author of this sickness. But God has allowed it to be released upon the nations for some reasons. Do we know what those reasons are? I don't know. Maybe God has revealed it to some prophets. But we have no certainty of knowing why this sickness has been released upon the earth. But knowing the reason is not as important as knowing the solution. Knowing the answer for believers to stay protected during this time. And also for people who may not believe in Jesus can come and partake of that same protection through the faith in Christ. Now it says here in verse 14, the Lord sent a plague upon Israel and 70,000 men of Israel died. And how did he do it? An angel is sent to destroy. Or to put it more accurately, an angel is permitted to come and destroy this people. David's sin lifted grace over Israel and allowed this angel of pestilence and plague to come over Israel. Very important point here for us to understand. Understand this. The origin of the plague is spiritual, not natural. The origin of the plague is from the spirit. An angel of pestilence. Angels are spiritual beings. They are not physical beings. An angel of pestilence is released. That brings death. That means it began in the spirit. The effects are seen in the natural. This is a very important point. All sickness and curses originated in the spirit. How? 
when man fell in the garden. God said, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam ate and death was released upon the earth because of man's sin. And because of death, we see sickness, we see curses upon the earth. The origin is in the spirit. It's not in the physical first. Which means what? The solution is also in the spirit. God's solution to end all plagues of sin and death and sickness is spiritual, not physical. In other words, we must trust the spiritual solution first more than the natural solutions. In other words, in these times, trust in Jesus as your Savior. Trust in His sacrifice first and then do the other natural things. Hallelujah. What did God instruct David? Look at verse 18. The angel of the Lord commanded God to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So that's what Je David does. He goes and he wants to buy the, the threshing floor. The man says, I will give you everything because everyone can see the angel. I will give you the oxen, I will give you the wood and I will give you the land free. But David says, no, I will not take for free. I will have to pay a price for it. Why? It's because if David took it free, it would not be David's sacrifice. It would be the other man's sacrifice. So David pays 600 shekels of gold. And he, verse 26, follow me here. Verse 26, David built there an altar to the Lord. And he offered burnt offerings. Burnt offerings are offered for the remission of sins and peace offerings. Peace offerings were offered for fellowship with God and called on the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire. God answered. God took that sacrifice. God accepted that sacrifice on the altar of burnt offering. Verse 27, very important. The Lord commanded the angel of plague and pestilence to stop. He returned his sword to its sheath. In other words, the sacrifice that David offered stopped the plague. Hallelujah. The sacrifice, the burnt offering and the peace offering that David offered stopped the plague. But this story has a prophetic significance for us. This very threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite is very significant because 2 Chronicles chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that this very place 600 to 700 years in the past was the place where Abraham had offered Isaac to the Lord. Now that sacrifice of Isaac was a prefiguring, an example or a pre-enactment of God offering his only son to us. See, when Abraham offered up Isaac, his only son, that was like a type, an example of how the heavenly father would also offer his son, his only son to die for us. And it happened on that same place. This place, this threshing flower of on and the Jebusite is also the very place where the temple of Solomon is built. And even today, the temple of the mount is this very place. But more significant is this. A thousand years into the future, from David's time, God sends another sacrifice 
on this very same mountain range. And this time he sends his son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. You see, when David sacrificed the animals, it was just a type and an example. All sacrifices of animal, all blood of animal in the Old Testament is only a type and a shadow of the original true eternal sacrifice from before the foundations of the world. Jesus Christ. So on this very same mountain range, a thousand years into the future, God sends the Lamb of God and He gives His life on that same mountain range, Mount Moriah, the place of the skull. And Jesus is sacrificed. Jesus surrenders His life. Jesus gives His life on that same mountain range. Just as David's sacrifice stopped the plague, Jesus' sacrifice stops all plagues. Hallelujah. All plagues. All plagues. The Bible says that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross destroys the power of sin, of death, the power of Satan over our lives. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. If you look at that, the Bible says that through death, he destroyed him, Satan, who had the power of death over our lives. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus destroys the power of Satan over our lives. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says he has redeemed us from the power of darkness. Through the death of Jesus, we are redeemed from the power of all darkness, delivered from the power of darkness by His blood. In other words, the sacrifice of Jesus stops the plague of sin and death. The sacrifice of Jesus stops the power of darkness from affecting our lives. The sacrifice of Jesus is God's answer to stop all works of evil in the lives of those who believe. There is still a curse on the earth. There is still judgment on the earth. But for those who believe in Jesus, we become partakers of God's covenant in this sacrifice. Hallelujah. And the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God stops the plague of sin. God stops the plague of judgment. God stops the plague of condemnation and guilt. God stops the plague of any curse upon your life. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law because of Jesus Christ. He became a curse for us. The Bible says Jesus became a curse for us. Now if you study Deuteronomy 28 and we study the curses of the law, pestilence, plagues are part of the curses of the law. Sickness is part of the law. If you are at home and you're suffering from any kind of paralysis, that is a part of the curse of the law. Sickness is a part of the curse of the law. But Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. We have been brought out of that place of the curse. Jesus has paid the price of his blood through his sacrifice to redeem us from the curse of sickness. That means all plagues have been stopped by the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus took on himself. Isaiah 53 verse 4. 
The Bible says, Surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our bodily pains. He has borne our sickness. That means Jesus on the cross bore all plagues on Himself. And by His stripes we are healed. God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That word iniquity in the Hebrew, avon, means any curse that comes as a result of sin. Jesus took it on himself. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. Jesus drank the cup of curse for every sin and he redeemed us from the curse of the law, including sickness. Hallelujah. That means our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus will cause the plague to stop from advancing into your lives. You cannot be touched when you place your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the book of Exodus, there is a tremendous story, Exodus chapter 12, about a similar plague that comes upon Egypt. Now God instructs the Israelites through Moses to take a lamb, every household to take a lamb, and to kill the lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and to apply it on the, the two pillars of the door and on the lintel with the hyssop to apply it and then to eat the meat of the lamb roasted over fire. And in verse 12, God instructs Moses to tell the Israelites that when the angel of death comes upon Egypt, that will strike the firstborn of every human and every animal also. When the angel of death will come upon Egypt, when the angel sees the blood, when the angel sees the blood, the angel of death, the pestilence will pass over. In other words, the pestilence cannot come in when the blood has been applied. Now that is only a story that foreshadows what Jesus does on the cross for us. If the blood of a lamb, an animal, could protect them, and if the Israelites could put their faith in the blood of an animal and it protects them, how much more today can the blood of Jesus protect you? How much more today? The blood that is eternal, the blood that is precious, the blood that is living. It is not dead blood. You see, the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus is a permanent sacrifice and it is an eternal sacrifice, which means this. This is very important here. The salvation, the healing, the deliverance, the Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago achieved for us, attained for us. That same power is still fresh today. The same power is effective today. As if Jesus died only yesterday. Because it is not an old sacrifice. It's an eternal. Which means the sacrifice of Jesus is timeless. The power of the sacrifice of Jesus can reach into the past, the present, and the future. Hallelujah. Timeless. It is not limited by time or geography. In other words, it is as if Jesus died yesterday. If you will put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of God, the power of the blood will manifest in your life right now. Hallelujah. In other words, put your faith in what Christ has done. 
not in what you can do to protect yourself from this virus. Hallelujah. You see, today we have a better covenant than Israel. We have better promises than the old covenant. We have a better blood. We have living blood. We have eternal blood, precious blood on which we stand. Our faith is not in the sacrifice of animals. Our faith is not even in our own sacrifices. Now, people are saying we need to sacrifice during this time by praying and fasting and so on. If you're doing those things, nothing wrong, do it. However, our faith must be in His sacrifice, not our sacrifice. Amen. Our faith should be in what He has done, not in what we do. Listen to me. When you put your faith in what you do, you will always find something you have not done enough. When you put your faith in your sacrifice, you will always think that there is some sacrifice that you have not completed well enough. And will lead you to doubt and condemnation and fear. But when you put a faith in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, because Jesus' sacrifice is sinless, His obedience was perfect, He was completely righteous. That means it's a sacrifice that is so perfect, nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be added to it. And Jesus is sitting on the throne. Jesus is not going to go back on the cross, which means nothing can be added to it. It is a perfect sacrifice. When we look at that sacrifice, we can be at rest and we can find protection because that sacrifice speaks of a covenant. A covenant, a promise that God made in the giving of His own Son, in the shedding of the blood of His own Son, that He has sworn by Himself that He will fulfill everything He said in His Word. It is a covenant and that covenant promises us protection. And that covenant also protects, but promises us healing. If you have been sick because of the coronavirus, do not fear. There's a covenant of healing. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. There's a covenant of protection through the sacrifice of Jesus. There's a covenant of deliverance. If you are stuck somewhere in an airport and you cannot come back home, God will make a way for you. There's a covenant of deliverance and rescue even in the sacrifice of Jesus. It covers every area of crisis you may find yourself in. So don't blame yourself whatever situation you may be in. Look to Jesus. Don't just say, I have faith, I have faith. No. Our faith comes from His sacrifice. Our boldness comes from His sacrifice. Now, some Christians may be saying, I'm bold, uh, the virus will not affect me. Listen. Our faith should not be arrogant faith. It is not faith in our faith that protects us. It is faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. It is not faith in our boldness. Our boldness comes because it originates from the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. I'm bold today not because I'm great, not because I'm this mighty man of faith. I'm bold today because the sacrifice of Jesus is perfect. Hallelujah. So put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus because that is a covenant that protects, a covenant that promises healing, a covenant that will deliver you and rescue you. Put your faith in Him. He is a great Savior. He is a good Savior. Don't just trust in Scriptures. Yes, trust in Scriptures. But more than that, trust in Him. The person of Jesus. He will save you. He will heal you. He will protect you. And then you stand on the Scriptures. 
How do I put my faith in the sacrifice of Jesus? Let me give you practical things that God has given to us in order to release our faith. Number one, plead the blood of Jesus over your life. Let me say it again. Plead the blood of Jesus over your life. When I say I plead the blood, it is like we are taking our stand in an article of the constitution of the Word of God that says the blood of Jesus has defeated Satan and sickness. We are pleading the blood. We are standing on a constitutional right. We are standing on a divine constitution that the blood has destroyed sickness. The blood has destroyed the power of darkness. So this is what you do. Plead the blood of Jesus over yourself daily. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my body that no virus can afflict me. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house. I plead the blood of Jesus over Nangaland. I plead the blood of Jesus over my car that no virus can enter into this place. Speak that in faith. Let me share this with you. Even though every Christian has a covenant of protection, yet the covenant is activated by our faith. It is not automatic. It is activated by your faith. The Bible says we must believe. He who believes has eternal life. He who believes will be healed. If you believe, all things are possible. So the condition is that you believe. So don't give in to fear. Believe. Believe in Jesus. And it may not only be for coronavirus. If you are sick with cancer, believe in Jesus. If you're sick with other sicknesses, believe in Jesus. If you have death in your house, believe in this covenant that redeems us from death, the curse of death. Hallelujah. Plead the blood of Jesus when you're going out of your house and when you're coming in. If you are a doctor or a nurse and you're out in the front line battling this disease, plead the blood of Jesus over your life. The Bible says in Revelation 12 verse 11, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. Satan has no answer for the blood. Whatever Satan will bring, darkness, sickness, it has no answer for the blood. The blood of Jesus is like the ace in the deck of hands. It's, it's like the trump card. Devil has no answer for the blood. Plead the blood of Jesus. Number two, Lift up Jesus continually as your sacrifice by taking off the Holy Communion. And I encourage you to do it. You do not need in the confines of your home for your personal communion. I'm not talking about inviting all the people in the community and serve them communion. No, I'm saying for you personally, you do not need a pastor to come and serve you communion. You can take the elements of the bread or the biscuits and the juice and you can bless it and you can receive it in your own homes. Because every time you are lifting up the bread and you're lifting up the cup, the Bible says you are remembering Jesus. And the bread and the cup actually talks about the sacrifice of Jesus. And you're lifting up the finished work of Jesus. You're lifting up the, the victory of Jesus. You are saying, you are proclaiming, Jesus is my sacrifice. And just as David's sacrifice stopped the plague, I lift up Jesus as my sacrifice and all plagues will stop. Hallelujah. So do that regularly in the morning, in the evening. I encourage you to do it not only during this time, but every day. And do it when people in your homes are sick. Take the cup of the covenant. Because therein you are proclaiming the victory of Christ over sickness. 
Number three, use the anointing oil. Because the anointing oil also speaks about the sacrifice of Jesus. The oil is procured from the pressing of the olive. Now Jesus at Gethsemane was pressed. Gethsemane literally means the place of the press. So at Gethsemane, Jesus was pressed. The weight of what he would go through came upon him and he sweat drops of blood. He was pressed. But because of the pressure that came upon him, his blood flowed and it brings healing. It brings deliverance to us. So take some oil, pray over it, sanctify it by your faith and by the name of Jesus and apply it upon your house. Apply it on yourself when you go out. Because the anointing oil, which comes out of the pressing of fruit or vegetables even today, is a type of how Jesus was pressed so that life flows to us. Hallelujah. So apply the anointing oil continually during this time. Number four, use the authority that is there in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 13, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible says, God raised up Jesus high above all principality, all power and every name. Jesus has been lifted up over every name. Coronavirus has a name, which means it is under the feet of Jesus. Jesus has been lifted up far above that. And the Bible says, God put all things under the feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ, which means we are also above every principality and power and over every name. So if you will use your faith, the authority God gives you, the dominion authority God gives us, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are more than conquerors. Then we can release our faith. Fear is under our feet. Satan is under our feet. Coronavirus is under our feet. In Jesus' name. Use your authority. How do I use it, pastor? The same way as you are seeing me do it. Speak it. Speak it. What you see in the word, you speak it. Say, coronavirus is under my feet in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says that Jesus has been lifted up above every name, every principality, every power. Everything is under the feet of Jesus. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm in Christ. Therefore, coronavirus is under my feet in Jesus' name. Sickness, you have no authority to come into my life, come upon my children, come into my home in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Fifth, very important. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. Trust in the anointing of God that is in you. The power of God in you. The Bible says that we have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not just a length of time. It's not when you die and you will live forever in heaven. No, everlasting life is the very substance and the life of God which is in every believer. Everlasting life is the nature of God. The Bible says that we all partake of the divine nature. We all partake of God's nature. We are new creation. In other words, in your spirit man, you have the nature of God. The life of God is in you. The power of God is in you. The spirit of God lives in you which means there's an anointing within you and that anointing is greater than any virus that anointing came from heaven it is not a second class anointing it is not made in China anointing 
It is not duplicate anointing. It is from God. It's a life of God. There's a life of God in you. And if you will believe it, because it is activated by faith, it will explode all over your body and it will even lead you into greater health, even the great longevity of life, youth. I'm telling you the truth. Romans 8 verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's a spirit of life. There is life in this anointing. This power of God, it is in you. There is life. The very power and the force of God is in this life. And you have it. If you are a believer in Christ, you have it. Pastor, I don't feel it. No, you have it. You don't have to feel it. Just believe it. Come on, say this with me. I have life. Hallelujah. You have this life in you. Well, this life is greater than the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was activated by Adam's sin. The law of life is activated by Jesus' sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now, listen to this. The law of sin and death was activated because of Adam's sin. And Satan uses that to bring sickness, to bring curses upon the earth. But the law of life is activated by Jesus when he died on the cross. Hallelujah. Which is greater. Adam's act or Jesus' act, which is greater. Jesus' act is greater. That law is operating in your body, in your mind, in your heart. If you believe this, you cannot be depressed. There's a law of life, Zoe life, that is operating in your body. And if you will believe in that, viruses cannot come. It's like a shield. John G. Lake would put his hand in the mouth of those who were suffering from bubonic plague and ask people to put it under the microscope and they would see that the plague would die immediately. It comes upon his hand. And when they asked him why, he says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in me. I do not believe in the law of sin and death, which is sickness and curse and disease. I believe in the law of life in Christ Jesus. And it is in me. Believe in that. Believe in it. Why? Because this is the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.